Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for November 17th, 2017. On today's show, we're going to be taking a look at a bunch of news, including a Stripes TV series, Quentin Tarantino's next movie, Lands a Movie Studio, the running time of Star Wars The Last Jedi, Cinefamily permanently shuts down, a Catch-22 miniseries in a Martian Manhunter movie, possibly, uh, and in the mailbag, we'll be talking about how DC can move forward with the eu and make it a better place for you and me uh this is peter serretta and joining me on today's podcast is slash film writers chris evangelista hello and why tran buoy hey everyone those are two names that are not easy to say back to back (laughs) and you killed it peter (laughs) (laughs) um Okay, guys, uh, the weekend's coming, so we should just dive into this news because I know we have a lot of fun plans over this weekend, and uh, let's just get to those quick as as possible. (laughs) Quick as possible. Um, First up is news that uh, a Stripes TV series is in development. Uh, Your headline, Chris, says nothing will ever be new again. What do we know about this? Right, so I guess because there's nothing else to remake at this point um cbs is going to develop a tv series based on the 1981 comedy stripes uh that was a film that starred bill murray and harold uh, ramus and it was directed by ivan reitman who also directed them in uh ghostbusters and interestingly enough the series i guess pilot is going to be directed by ivan reitman also so he's so he's at least coming back to create this tv uh remake of his film but beyond that i i don't really have a lot of uh hope for this project well his glory days are kind of behind us as well which is uh does not give me faith in this project i mean stripes uh i'm not sure if you guys are a fan of stripes i i mean it's it's an enjoyable movie i i've never understood um why everybody loves it It, it's an enjoyable comedy Do, do you guys have any love for the movie stripes I mean, I, I've seen it, but I can't really tell you a lot about it. I mean, I remember laughing at it when I saw it, but it's it's one of those movies that 
ends up getting or used to end up getting rerun on like TNT every Sunday afternoon for some reason. It's just, so I feel like that that sort of burned it into a lot of people's minds. I, I, I just don't know how I, I just don't know if anybody that's watching television today is going to be excited to see a Stripes TV show. H.T., are you excited for this at all? Well, I've actually never seen the original Stripes movie, but I feel like a lot of the cult Bill Murray classics are kind of dependent on the charisma of Bill Murray. So I'm not sure how well it will translate to TV, but it could also be a much more uh, interesting and different take in the TV version. So who knows? See, I was setting that up because I had a feeling that you probably had not seen Stripes. Um, Yeah. But I bet you that's probably the case of a lot of people that are under the age of 30 or 25. <laughs> I feel like Stripes is not a movie that, you know, is in everybody's Blu-ray or, you know, VOD collection. Uh, you know, th- 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 those people aren't watching TNT, as uh, Chris says. <laughs> you know, they're watching YouTube. Um, <laughs> uh, moving on to the next story, we've been talking a lot about Quentin Tarantino's uh, next movie, which is either about the Manson family or about 1969, whatever the fact of the matter is, that it has landed a home at one of the big Hollywood movie studios. Where did it land, HD? So Sony has officially... Uh, picked up Quentin Tarantino's ninth movie, which is the non-Manson Murderers movie uh, that's set in the 60s and 70s. So it's also confirmed that Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Tom Cruise are circling roles in the uh, for leads in the movie, and that Margot Robbie is being eyed for to play Sharon Tate in the film. So this comes after some really sort of amusing stories about how uh, dedicated these studios have been going uh, to sort of court uh, Quentin Tarantino to to uh, develop his movie at their studio. So Paramount, Sony, and Warner Brothers were the three sort of finalists who were trying to get this Tarantino film. And they were kind of going above and beyond to uh, persuade him. Apparently, Warner Brothers uh, created... recreated sort of a 1960s uh, studio lot uh, to when he arrived to talk with them about the film. Uh, Well, what else? Sony. They they had like uh, like the Warner Brothers logo from the late 60s and all these 60s cars. That's just Mm -hmm. insane. And they, they made uh, they made fake posters too. I think, right? Yeah, they made they brought fin- vintage furniture in, and they made mock posters for the movie. So they really they really wanted the film. Um, I think, and then Sony was the one who ended up winning. And they uh, what they did was a multimedia presentation, which wasn't quite as uh, illustrious as Warner Brothers, but apparently it won Tarantino over. So that is the news with the ninth Tarantino movie, still untitled. Um, it'll be untitled until the script leaks and we see the title page on, uh, written in handwriting by Quentin Tarantino on the title page, I'm sure. Um, the the next story is Star Wars Last Jedi. Uh, they are currently doing the uh, international press tour for that movie, which is coming out in, what, just a few weeks from now. Um, and uh, during the press tour, Ryan Johnson revealed that The Last Jedi's running time will be two hours and a half, which is the longest Star Wars film in the franchise. Um, 
This is a little bit surprising because I, you know, for some reason, I, I assumed that he was going to be closer to the, you know, two hour mark. Uh, I, this film has, we've been saying, everybody that has seen this film says it's very different. So, I mean, this is another thing to make it different. Do you guys have any opinion on uh, what this says about the film at large? Well, it does have all the characters sort of at very far ends of the galaxy. We have Ray and Luke training. We have um, Poe Dameron uh, sort of in his own storyline. And we have Finn with his own storyline with Rose. So I can see how all the sort of disparate plot threads can make for a longer movie, I guess. Um, I'm not particularly a fan of longer run times. I feel like sometimes the films can become really bloated with that. But I trust Ryan Johnson. I I think that he could make a good and tight film out of even a two and a half hour runtime. Um, many of the early films, like uh, the original Star Wars, was 121 minutes. Empire Strikes Back, 124 minutes. Return of the Jedi, 132 minutes. And then it seemed to go up from there with the prequels. Um, Force Awakens was 135 minutes. So it's not like it's that much longer than Force Awakens. Um, but, I mean, it is. It's, what, another 15 minutes. Um, but uh, I- I'm sure as the, the as we're gearing up to see the film... Uh, we're going to be getting a lot of news in the next uh, few weeks, so uh, stay with us, and uh, we'll try not to spoil anything for you. Um, a bit of bad news uh, for film geeks in Los Angeles. It is that CineFamily will permanently shut down. Chris, you wrote this article a couple days ago, but I wanted to get it on the podcast, and we've just had so much news lately, so now we finally get to talk about this. What, what is going on with CineFamily? Right. So in September uh, of this year, CineFamily suspended all their activities in light of allegations of sexual harassment against uh, like top executives who worked for CineFamily. And so they, they've been closed ever since then. And now they just released word that they're, they're pretty much closing for good. And their venue, the, the silent movie theater, is going to be renovated by the landlord. So that's pretty much the end of CineFamily. The, their statement uh, makes it sort of like a twofold thing in that the investigation into the sexual harassment pretty much damaged them beyond repair in that, you know, they, they sat on those allegations for too long. And also they basically don't have the money anymore to run the CineFamily. So those two things combined have contributed to it shutting down for good. Uh, this is sad because I, not that LA doesn't have a lot of uh, movie theaters that are showing older films, but CineFamily was very much one that um, did it very differently than all the rest. Um, and it's sad that LA is losing this. Uh, but it, it, the article says that it could still remain a movie theater. We don't know. There, there, the future of this location is up in up in the air is that am i correct on that right i mean yeah there's no one no one owns it right now except the landlord but uh hopefully you know since the venue is there someone will buy it and use it for good rather than you know this sort of stigma that's been associated with now because of these allegations yeah it's a shame uh it is interesting. I've already noted this in the past that, you know, Elmo Drafthouse, when there was allegations and things going on, you know, they didn't shut down for an hour. 
Cine family shut down for what months, and uh, it are now shutting down permanently. Over, uh, I mean, much, much worse allegations. Um, it should be said, but uh, it it it'll be interesting to see if that location, uh, if something comes of it. Um, I almost want to suggest that I wish the Alamo Draft House would buy it, but th- that maybe they wouldn't want to. Uh, that sounds like maybe they have uh, their own problems. Yeah, but it's 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 also stepping into a uh, hole. <laughs> it's, stepping, mm-hmm. it's like we, we just went through some of, some of this bad press. Maybe we shouldn't get involved here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah. Also in the news, uh, a Catch Twenty Two miniseries is on the way with George Clooney. To star and direct HT, what do we know? So George Clooney will be directing and starring in a six-episode limited series adaptation of Cash 22. Uh, this will be from Paramount TV and anonymous content. Uh, there's no network currently attached to air the miniseries, so this is really early um, sort of d- development. Uh, but this will be only the second sort of adaptation of Cash 22 after the 1970 film by Mike Nichols and which starred Alan Arkin and Martin Balsam. So Clooney will be starring as Colonel Cathcart, which, who was the primary antagonist of the 1961 uh, satirical war novel by Joseph Heller. Um, and this will also be George Clooney's first return to television after two decades, after he left uh, ER, the medical drama that sort of broke him into mainstream success. Uh, and he's moved on to feature films ever since and not really gone back. But this will be a welcome return, I think, because uh, he's kind of, um, he's done a lot of work with the Coen brothers, for example, and doing these sort of farcical black comedies, a lot of them sometimes war comedies. So I think this is kind of, this is very in his element. Have either of you read Catch-22? Because I have not. I have. I read it for high school mm. lit class. Yeah, I also read it in high school. Now, do you think it was this one w- of my favorites, though? Sorry. Oh, really? Do you think this would mm-hmm. make a good uh, miniseries adaptation? That's a good question. Um, I feel like it could be because it well, it was a very absurd and sort of uh, high concept book, and with television, you know, entering the era of peak TV and prestige television, you could definitely do something that's uh, just as challenging and sort of uh, absurd as the book was uh, and yeah I think George Clooney although he's had his hits or misses uh, behind the camera uh, he he could feasibly pull this off it's something that's very dialogue heavy and sort of very um, somewhat hard to follow but that's also the intention of the book as well so I think I think he it could be adapted to TV yeah, it was adapted into a stage play, which makes sense for something that's dialogue as heavy as this. And, you know, obviously there's the Mike Nichols 1970s film of the same name, uh, a pilot. This is actually not the first time that this has been, tr- been th- that they've tried to bring this to TV. They, oh. they actually filmed a po- pilot for a comedy series based on Catch-22 Starring Richard Dreyfuss in 1973, and I, I don't think it came, th- it went through. Um, Chris, your thoughts on a Catch 22 uh, miniseries? I mean, I, I think it could work as a miniseries. I don't think it would work as like an actual long-running TV series, but I could see a miniseries working. Yeah, there. I mean, there's a lot of material in the novel for them to pull from. I guess it just depends on how. 
true to the book, they're going to stick, I guess. And what about George Clooney? I know that we are fans of George Clooney as a director, but you did not like his recent film that came out this year. Yes, uh, Suburbicon is bad. It's a bad movie. But I have I, I have liked films of his in the past. I liked uh, Good Night and Good Luck a lot. I, lo- I loved um, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. So I do think he is able to direct a, a good uh, film. He just hasn't in a while. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and last up on our list of news is uh, they're, they're doing a lot of Justice League interviews and the producer Chuck Roven was asked uh, who he'd like to make a movie on. And he said Martian Manhunter. Chris, tell, tell us what he said. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much exactly what he said, what <laughs> you just said. There's not a lot of detail. On this. this is one of those news stories where it's more like he's hopeful that it'll happen, but there's no definitive uh movement on it actually happening but in the interview he was asked you know what more obscure property would he like to tackle for a a dc film and he said uh, martian manhunter would be on the list now whether or not that ever happens remains to be seen because dc has a lot of stuff in development right now i mean they have wonder woman 2 they have aquaman coming out they have shazam black adam and so on and so on they have stuff planned out for quite a while, or at least scheduled to be planned out. I don't know how planned out it is, but there's and, nothing definite yet. And you are a DC comic reader. I'm not a big uh, – I haven't really read any runs that have Martian Manhunter. Is is this a character that should be on the big screen? Like, I don't really know much about Martian Manhunter. I The, the only thing I know about him is uh, from the animated series. So. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Yeah, um, I don't know. That just seems like such a weird choice. Uh, in the mailbag, we're going to be talking about uh, the future of the DCEU. And uh, I'll just put this out here. I I, I think they need to uh, get another producer. I don't think Charles Roven, is, is, from what I've heard uh, behind the scenes, is, is you know a, a good, a positive creative force in the future of this uh, franchise. Um, and this pick seems uh, kind of to indicate that, to me at least. Uh, but maybe I am wrong. I, I don't know much about Mar- Martian Manhunter. Other than, you know, I've seen him in the cartoons, obviously. Um, but yeah, let's get to the mailbag. Let's just jump right into the mailbag. Uh, Mike S writes in Justice League is obviously a course correction for the DCEU. I think even Peter would admit it can be, f- while it can be fun, which is saying something comp- coming off Batman vs Superman, it isn't the great Justice League movie we deserve. Uh, what does the DCEU need to do going forward? Is his question. And uh, we should say that uh, I've seen Justice League, Chris has seen Justice League, but HT has yet to see Justice League. But I think she can still offer a valid opinion on this. Uh, What do you think, HT, uh, does Warner Brothers need to do at the DCEU to to, make it a a success moving forward? Well... I think they're kind of going in the right direction. Uh, I agree with the choice of Justice League as sort of a course correction. I saw a really funny tweet talking about, sorry, giving an anecdote about what Justice League was in that it's the night when you're going out and you have to just throw up all of the shit that you had like that night to like have a good time the rest <laughs> of the night. <laughs> and I, I like that anecdote a lot. Um, so I think that, you know, they have had really messy, messy footing uh, starting off, but with the 
I don't think that Wonder Woman, for example, was an exception um, to the sort of path that the DCEU is taking. I think that it is hopefully an indicator of how the Warner Brothers and how the DC film universe is moving forward. And I think that um, having Jeff Johns, who is a huge DC Comics writer and is very much ingrained in that world and is very um, very uh, loving of all the characters, I think that having him sort of kind of at the helm uh, would really is really helping already. Um, and I liked, you know, back when we were doing a lot of press about Wonder Woman, that you know the Warner Brothers was trying to use that as sort of a a guiding force for how they'll. Uh, approach the DCEU. We don't know if yeah. that's what's happening anymore, honestly, with all of the <laughs> yeah. reported spinoffs and strange anthology films. I I think that for the DCEU to be saved, they need to stop trying to do the spinoff films about the Joker and trying to reach for like whatever prestigious um, acclaim they can get by casting Leonardo DiCaprio or whatever and just stick to fixing the main storyline as they have it now and i think that you know justice league is that mandatory course correction that vomit in the middle of the night but i think that they are in the right direction um it's interesting that you bring up jeff johns because he he did not do interviews for wonder woman he did not do interviews for justice league and they didn't have a director doing interviews for justice league because obviously Zack snyder uh you know got replaced by joss whedon and they didn't want to have weird questions coming up at the the mm-hmm. press junkets but so it seems like it would have been perfect to have jeff johns in that kevin feige role uh doing kind of like the the grand plan interviews but uh he has yet to step up into that role which is kind of weird uh because i think he'd be the perfect guy to be in that role uh but okay let me get to some of my uh thoughts on where where DC needs to go. I think if you see Justice League, one of the things that it gets right is it gets the characters right. And I think that's something that, um, I mean, that's something Wonder Woman did, I think was really good. Um, but the other movies didn't really do a good job at. Um, I think if they concentrate on the characters and not, uh, you know, making this really baffling story, uh, I think, uh, that, that would be the right approach. Um, uh, I think, you know, characters over stories sometimes, especially with like superhero films, is probably the way to go. Uh, I think, you know, obviously, HT, when you see this movie, uh, you will see that they're trying to make it a more hopeful movie. Uh, there's even kind of like a long voiceover kind of by one of the characters suggesting that that's the direction they're headed in. Um, mm. And um, I, uh, you know, I think that they need to get away from this kind of i mean i know chris nolan brought us the gritty superhero and that became huge one of the hugest films of all time but i think um i think people want really the cheesy hopeful superheroes now and i think that's how dc can differentiate themselves from marvel um by the way dc needs to stop trying to be different from marvel just to be different from marvel not not that they shouldn't embrace being different from marvel i think they uh they made a lot of decisions along the way like batman versus superman they didn't have an end credit scene because uh you know they didn't want to be accused of copying marvel so they released the scene online the monday after the release which was baffling to everybody um you know this this film obviously has some end credit scenes that you know don't care you know not saying copy marvel 
but I'm saying like they shouldn't refrain from doing stuff just because Marvel that that's the Marvel thing. Um, and also I would, uh, I would say, um, I think they, they need to, I disagree with you. I like these side stories. I like these standalones. Uh, that is something I think they could do different than Marvel is they could kind of do these stories. I'd like to see, you know, a red sun Superman. I'd like to see a Batman beyond. I'd like to see, um, you know, these kind of stories that take place outside of the continuity. And I'm not saying that that's what it should be. Uh, I know cinematic uniform universes is like the hot thing in Hollywood and they should continue trying to do that as well. But uh, I think, you know, one thing that Marvel isn't doing is these kind of like standalone tales that have been great in the comic books. Let's see those on the big screen. Chris, do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, I'm with you on that respect that I do wish they would try a little harder now to be more standalone stories. Like one of the, one of the most refreshing things about wonder woman was that aside from that, you know, that intro where she gets the the letter from Batman or whatever, that movie has almost nothing to do with the rest of the DCEU. At least at that time it didn't. Uh, I mean, justice league sort of ties it in a bit more, but when wonder woman came out, it was pretty much like a standalone movie. And I, I loved that about, it. I didn't have to worry about, tying it into the franchise. And I think that that's what makes it work, work really well. And I, I want more of that. I want, I want good stories. I don't want good entries that build up to a bigger story. Like I'm not really interested in that. Give me something that can stand on its own. That's what I'm looking for. Oh, I have one more to interrupt you. Cause this just, just occurred to me. Um, I remember having it. I remember talking to Kevin Feige and he was saying the year that they were making Iron Man that they made a conscious decision while the competition was concentrating on making a good villain, they decided to make a, a decision to concentrate on the heroes. And, you know, they've been criticized for, you know, not having great villains in in, in, uh, in Marvel, but they, they've... That, that was a choice, according to him. Obviously, he's talking about the Dark Knight and Heath Ledger as the Joker, why don't we if if DC is going to try to do things better than Marvel, why not try to do the villain better than Marvel? Because the the, the villain in Justice League is an abomination. It's probably the worst comic <laughs> book villain of all time. Uh, I think that that is a place that they could they could actually succeed. Well, they did make a Suicide Squad, which is all villains, and that did not turn out well. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. DC has a really great rogues gallery, not just Batman, but in general. So they could take advantage of that, definitely. Chris, do you have any other thoughts on this? I mean, yeah, I I, I think they could uh, bring in those better villains. But like I said, they tried that with Suicide Squad and that really didn't work out well. So I don't know. I think it needs better writers, I guess, is what they really need. They need better screenwriters to be telling these stories than what they have now. I think part of the problem is, um, obviously I think Zack Snyder's out of this picture now. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he had some, I heard David Goyer's, you know, say what you will about David Goyer, but you know, he wrote the dark Knight, and that ended up pretty, pretty well. Um, I heard his script for man of steel was amazing. And I heard the more and more Zack Snyder worked on it, the more and, uh, more or less amazing that script became, uh, it's tough when you have, when you're a person like Zack Snyder and you have a producer like 
Charles Roven, who uh, doesn't know a good thing, in my opinion. And then your other producer is your wife. I, I don't know. It just feels like, you know, I think there's a lot of great filmmakers out there. And it's not just Zack Snyder. But I think there's a lot of great filmmakers out there that um, that aren't, you know, that they have producers who stop having the ability to tell them no. And I think that became a problem with Zack Snyder. Um, and I think, yeah, I think you're right. They need a good screenwriter, but they also need a good filmmaker that is willing to, you know, work with that screenwriter and not, uh, you know, try to make it their own just to make it their own. Any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I, no, think, I, I, I think a behind-the-scenes rehaul, yeah, is the great idea, Peter. Go ahead, Chris. What were you saying? No, I, I was agreeing, yeah. The, that sounds about right what they should be doing. I don't know if they will do it, but we'll see. And by the way, I, I, I'm now now sitting here thinking, like, my comment about Debbie Snyder is going to be taken wrong. <laughs> and it was it was not meant to be a sexist comment. I want to want to first say that it was meant to be like if you are a husband wife team, usually you're working together. You're trying to help that other person. Do you know what I mean? Like you're not mm-hmm. um, standing in their way. And I think sometimes the producer has to like take a tough stance and be like, you know, that's you know, and I'm not sure. I, I think that's tough with the husband wife team. But okay. So anyways, do you guys have any more thoughts on this? Um, I did want to say that I liked what um, you pointed out when you first reacted to Justice League on Twitter. Uh, you said that it kind of reminded you of sort of the animated Justice League more than uh, what they've been doing with the, the DCEU so far. And I like that direction a lot. That sort of what we saw a little bit of in Wonder Woman, that aspirational quality and that earnest quality that, you know, I associate the DC comics superheroes with and that I hope that they'll the DC will use as sort of their defining sort of tone as opposed to Marvel, like not just to oppose Marvel, like you said, but uh, as sort of a a cohesive, a coherent um, a way to cohere their their universe. Um, So I think I think they could be going in the right direction. See, like, I, I want to th- believe that they're going in the right direction. Then I hear, you know, Warner Brothers mandated that Justice League needs to be under two hours. You know, does mm-hmm. it, does every superhero movie need to be under two hours? Is that something that the studio should be saying to artists? Is I mean, maybe they should be saying that to Zack Snyder. I can totally understand that. But, uh, C- Chris, do you have any thoughts on that? No, <laughs> uh, this is. I'll, I'll say this about Justice League. I, I'll, this will be my final thought on it. I did not like the movie, but it's really trying really hard. The movie, like when I was watching Batman v Superman, I was like, "Oh, this is just a mess. No one knows what's going on here." With Justice League, it's also a mess, but you get the sense that they're trying really hard to make it work. So I, I can appreciate they're at least sort of trying now i don't know <laughs> they don't succeed but I, I appreciate that they're that that they're trying yeah and I, I i've now seen the movie twice and you know people are in the theater laughing and they seem like they're having a good time which uh is more than that could be said for batman or superman i think uh even even if it's a mess i think it's a uh 
somewhat fun mess. Um, I can't wait for HD to see this, though. We, yeah, I wonder if my views will change completely after <laughs> Justice League. I'm a little worried. But, you know, I am optimistic, like the DC's comic superheroes would have me be. <laughs> I'm 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 awaiting this angry email over the weekend after you see it. They're like, "What were you talking about?" But uh, yeah, I I I think we said it all. Uh, if if anybody out there has a thought that we have not expressed on, you know, where DCEU needs to be headed to be successful in the future, please send it to Peter at slashfilm.com and maybe we'll mention it on there. That's also where you can submit your questions for the mailbag. That's Peter at slashfilm.com. Uh, please mention your name and general geographic location in case we mention them on the air. Uh, where can we find more of your work online, HD? You can find me on slashfilm.com. I'm at htranbui on Twitter and I have the Millennial Falcon podcast on iTunes. Where can we find more of your work, Chris? I'm also at slashfilm.com and I'm on Twitter at cevangelista413. You can find all my work at slashfilm. You can find me at slashfilm on Twitter, Instagram, all the social networks uh you can find this podcast published every weekday on itunes google play overcast all the popular podcast apps uh please go to itunes give us a rating give us a review that helps us out spread the word and we will see you on monday